new CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. You never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I'm Mike Schaefer, joined by Brian Christopherson here on Friday, April 7th. It is the Masters week. If brunch was on with us, BC, I'd ask him how many pimento cheese sandwiches he's eaten already this week. I think the number would be somewhat alarming. Um, you don't strike me as a big pimento cheese sandwich guy. Am I wrong here? I, I mean, I would be if I were on site, but no, I've, I don't think I've ever had it. So I can't mm. speak uh, positively or negatively about it. But I did see, like, you can get... Um, like a, a weekend, masters. Yeah, yeah, weekend of masters food, like catered into you or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I that could be interesting if you had like a watch party on like uh yeah. on on moving day on Saturday or something. My my wife and I hosted the masters auction the last couple of years, and last year we went all out and did masters food, and we had egg salad sandwiches and pimento cheese sandwiches, and you know all of that good stuff, peach ice cream sandwiches, like we. We did it big. And uh, I so that was kind of like my biggest experiment with pimento cheese sandwiches. They're fine. They're really heavy. Like there, there's a lot mm. to it. You know, you you're you're going to be you're going to be eating a lot with it. So I, I don't know. Brunch Brunch loves them, though. He'll this time of year. He's eating like nine of them if he can find them anywhere uh, or if he finds the right pimento cheese, I guess, that he wants to use. So um, we'll see uh, when we chat with him where he's at next week. All right, we want to actually quick thoughts on the on the Masters at this point. Any surprises for you? You know what? I didn't even follow it yesterday. I know Matt Rule's following it. Uh, he said uh, he was going to be watching the Masters this weekend, so that's good to hear that the Husker head coach is into that. Um, I, I wouldn't want the, a guy coaching the team if he weren't following the Masters. I just wouldn't. Um, I don't know. Kepka's up right now, isn't he? As we yeah. do this, he's at eight. Yeah. I don't know. Is there going to be just some like uh, some uh, fun or awkward smack talk between the LIV guys and the the P- PGA guys uh, down the stretch? I mean, that's that 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 would be a nice little sidebar to it. Well, I mean, that, that's definitely a possibility. I mean, I could I could certainly see a little trash talk, but you know, these guys don't they don't display as much personality as we want them to in these moments because they have to be so like hyper locked in. Uh, I think if Patrick Reed was coming into to things on the on Sunday, your boy Patrick Reed, yeah, if if he was coming into things on Sunday, it could get a little a little heated, you know, and it, it could be that could be like you know live on live crime with Brooks Kepka and Patrick Reed. So who knows? I mean, he he could be on any tour he wants, and he can find enemies. It's it's not a problem for Patrick Reed. Yeah, uh, Patrick Reed's still a little bit of a uh, head case, or a little bit of a he, he he's a little out there. Is that correct? I, I don't know if he's so much out there, but he's just not particularly well enjoyed by his his peers or the fans. 
or anybody, okay. his family even, if you've yeah. read articles. Yeah. So, I mean, he just seems like he is what they call an acquired taste and no one's buying. Well, Kepka hasn't won a major in, uh, it felt like he was going to win every major in a row for a while, um, like 10 in a row. And um, he hasn't won one in like four or five years, uh, is noting, which that, that tends to happen in golf. Like there, this guy will, a guy will pop on the scene. Like right now, it's sort of like Scotty Scheffler. And it's somebody who you're like, that guy's just not going to lose for a while. And they have like one great year and then they fade. It fades. You have to really strike while the iron's hot, which Dustin Johnson did not do back in that time when he was just dominating. Um, so I don't know. I guess uh, I guess I'll say uh, Kepka as a Friday uh, because he's he's the leader and he's he's a he can be a tough guy to track down if he's in front. Well, and he's going to get ahead of the the inclement weather, too. So he'll Mm -hmm. have his entire second round done. He could put a number out there. He won't have to play two rounds on Saturday. It uh, it could work very well for Brooks Kepka. So we'll we'll see there. I'm I'm sure people have enjoyed our Masters talk. But, Brian, I I suspect they want more Nebraska football. They always want more Nebraska football. We aim to give that to them today. We did this earlier in the spring. We're going to bring it back. We're going to run through every position group, where things kind of sit, what we've noticed, what stands out. We're going to do it relatively quickly. Uh, we will pause when we get to the end of the offense, take a quick timeout, and we'll come back with the defense. And we will start at the quarterback position, and we will start uh, – I'll start. Okay. Again, I have no reason to suspect it's anybody but Jeff Sims. It's good that he's out there practicing. He's getting the reps that he needs. Obviously, Casey Thompson, Logan Smothers uh, getting the mental reps and out there working out as well. But Nebraska's got a lot of quarterbacks. It's hard to imagine they're going to take this many quarterbacks into fall camp. And, you know, Jeff Sims and Heinrich Harburg are the two guys that seem to be standing out the most uh, at this point in time. I don't know that there's a lot more to add to that. I, I think we're going to get an opportunity to see these guys in in the spring. And, and Brian... I wouldn't have thought this necessarily coming into the whole thing, but it sure feels like the quarterback run game isn't going to go anywhere for Nebraska either. So, um, you know, that's that's kind of my takeaway right now. A lot of Jeff Sims, Heinrich Harburg looking good, and we're going to see some quarterback run game out of this group. Yeah. Do you want to add? No, no, I, I think you nailed it. I think the QB run game is way more emphasized than I even suspected when Matt Rule was hired. That, that yeah. That's that's what jumps out. Absolutely. All right, let's go to running backs, a position where we've had EJ Barthel get up and talk to us a, a couple times. You've got four dynamic guys that you have uh, and only one football. What's happening at running back this spring? Well, Gabe Irvin um, – Within the first week of spring, you're like, okay, this staff really likes what he's about. Um, it, uh, they like that whole room, though. Uh, Rule had a comment where he said, I don't know what the rest of the running backs look like in the Big Ten, but you know, I like this room pretty well. Um, so Irvin, I think going from in, in maybe the outside-the-walls perspective of being a guy who is in the hunt to like maybe he's the leader in the hunt um, – that, that, I think, has been the most interesting development so far to me uh, this spring, just uh, how much this staff really is all about him. And um, you forget how big Gabe Irvin is, too, until he, like, walks up and does his media session. He's just – he's a big dude, and they think he can be a guy, I think, late in games that can wear on people. So I would say that. And I'd also say Ramir 
sort of uh, another interesting off season of Ramir where you just feel like um, he's got a connection with EJ Barthel. Um, and um, I think this staff really realizes he's got a skill set that's going to be useful. And I do not expect him to not be used this year. I sort of, th- I, th- I think this year is going to be different. All right. At wide receiver, it's, it's an interesting group. I mean, you've got newcomers in Josh Fleeks and in Billy Kemp, and you've got uh, some holdovers and not a lot of experience. I mean, this is a group that has to, has to stay healthy and you're going to need production uh, from some guys like Kemp and, and Fleeks. And you got to hope that Xavier Betts, uh, can give you what he can give you, and you get Isaiah Garcia Castaneda, and then the one guy that I think is having a pretty good spring, and I think he's been pretty well adopted by this coaching staff, and that's Marcus Washington. I know that you've been high on NBC. He could be someone that could be, you know, potential breakout for Nebraska this year. I don't know it's outside of the realm of possibility that he could be their number one wide receiver. He could be a guy that makes plays for them uh, in key situations in the red zone. So, that's kind of what we're watching right now. You got some development that has to happen and they need some of those veterans that they brought in to, to really kind of help them out. So we'll see what happens for Garrett McGuire's group when it gets to the red white game, but they're, they're an interesting, probably as interesting of a position group and, and uh, on the offense as, as we have right now. I mean, it's a little unsettled, so we'll see what happens mm-hmm. there. Tight end room. I, that's why you couldn't say the, the wide receiver group was the most interesting. The tight end room has undergone some changes and they feel like they got some guys there. And uh, I'm, I'm curious what stands out for you at this point, Brian? Um, probably two things, actually. Um, we're waiting, of course, on the waiver uh, situation with Eric Gilbert. So we'll see what happens there, but Thomas Fedone and just um, sort of his, uh, the way he's, I think, stepped to the front with this coaching staff and, you know, rule said he's sort of one of his guys that he really, um, you know, works closely with. And it sounds like rule and Fedone are kind of wired the same way. Um, whereas, um, they, they both, uh, you know, if something's a little off it, it really kind of eats at them and they, they just want to get it, get it right. And, um, maybe a little bit of a perfectionist quality there um that can be a good thing so i i just think uh fedone it sounds like um they've tried to hold him back somewhat this spring because they want to be careful with him but he pushes back you know he wants to be out there involved so much and rule i think likes that he just likes how competitive and driven he is that he wants to be that type of guy who's always out there and the other thing i the other guy i'd mention is uh janeer and bonner and just his move to the hybrid tight end spot, it sounds like he even lines up some in the backfield fullback style. Uh, real versatile guy, weighs 217 now, and they think if he can get into like the mid-220s, uh, he can really be a force at that position. And so that's a position switch that so far three weeks in, you'd have to say, is tracking in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, uh, we mentioned the quarterback run game. The tight end usage is not something that I was expecting as much as what we're getting uh, out of out of uh, this initial group. And I think there's some real excitement amongst those tight ends about the different ways that they can be used. So that will certainly be something to note. All right, we'll finish up on the offensive side of the ball with what else? The offensive line, the most often discussed group in Nebraska football, I'd say over the last couple of years. 
They've got a big believer uh, in Matt Rule. He, he feels like there's plenty of talent in that room. And as we've said on previous podcasts, Brian, for Nebraska to move forward, it's going to have to be the guys that are already there. There's nothing magical coming through the door. They're going to get good performances out of Turner Corcoran and Bryce Benhart. Uh, you got to get Nori Newelli to come back and knock off the rust and to be where he was at the end of 2021. Ben Scott to step in seamlessly, likely at the center position, and give you an opportunity uh, to, to have just strong center play. And then, you know, we'll we'll see where the health is for Teddy Perhaska. But that offensive line, it's thin right now. They're they're trying to build some depth there. Uh, but really what it comes down to, they've got to get guys that we all know of, that we've talked about in the past and we talk about all the time. They just need them to get that 1% better each day. And, um, you know, there's real confidence there. I mean, Matt Rule really believes in Donovan Rayola. This is not you know, a lip service saying this has nothing to do with his nephew. He truly believes that this is a guy that it's a right coach for the kind of offensive line that he wants at Nebraska. And the players believe in Donovan Rayola. So if that can manifest and, and have, you know, a, a good back half to the spring, a strong summer, they could be in a position next fall where we're we're pleasantly surprised by this offensive line. But it is a big gamble and, and it is where they are. But um, I think nothing, I think it's been a good spring so far we'll put it that way uh for the offensive line and and they've got some guys you know ethan piper and henry tofsky who are gonna have some say as to to what it looks like on the interior they're a little bit thinner at the tackle spot but i think right now we have a general idea assuming health what that starting offensive line might look like against minnesota anything you want to add on the offense any group you didn't get to talk about before we take a quick time out here no, I mean, there, there's so much you could dive into with the O-line. I think the Ben Hart story is fascinating, and he looks like a different body type to me a little bit now. Um, and, and there, you know, you heard Matt Rule after Thursday's practice. He feels like he does have NFL potential. It's just about believing – it's about Bryce believing that, you know, and, and having that confidence in himself. And I do think Ethan Piper sometimes a forgotten man – I don't know if he would be in the starting five or not right now, but if he's not, he's probably the sixth guy. So that he's going to be a guy that's a wild card that people, they shouldn't lose track of. All right, let's take that break that I spoke of. We're going to come back and we will start with Brian Christopherson waxing poetically about the defensive line. PC, I promised to people some, uh, some strong words about Nebraska's oh, yeah. defensive line. And and if you want to put it in any kind of what do they call it iambic pentameter or whatever, do you like a haiku, wanna, a yeah, haiku you, including the name Terrence now that, in it. that would be a good podcast. Every we assign all all three of us have different position groups, and we have to come up with haikus to describe each one. I think I think people would really like that. They get taught in, in public schools around the state. I suspect that sounds like a that sounds like something that'll actually happen in May, possibly. So. Uh, we shouldn't make too much fun of it, but yeah, defensive line. Um, I don't know. I guess start with Nash. Uh, Nash has uh, had a good spring. It sounds like, and um, I've said this before on here, but I, I think early on in his career, there's a thought like, okay, this guy's incredibly strong. He's just one of those stout guys you bring in to stuff the run game on certain plays has kind of a niche role. And I think uh, he's cut weight a little bit. Um, he's another guy I think who has been aided by the uh, Corey Campbell strength and conditioning way of doing things. And, um, I, I feel like, um, has added some, uh, some lateral movement from what we've heard that is going to be beneficial to him. So if he can be a guy who, uh, 
who can give you more reps, um, that's a that's a pretty big uh, pick me up. I think uh, another thing that's interesting is hearing that guys like Prince Will and uh, Cam Lenhart um, have uh, both stacked some good reps with the top defense. Now, part of that's a spring. You're going to give guys opportunities. Um, obviously, Gunnarsson and Ty Robinson are out or have been out most of the spring. So there's uh, there's more reps to go around. Still, you have to figure that's pretty um, – says a lot about those guys as first-year freshmen that they're getting those kind of reps. And uh, you know, it makes your mind wander at least to, you know, if they could track at a consistent pace, could a couple of those guys, you know, give you something in the rotation come the fall? Yeah, that defensive line is uh, an area that we've talked about a few different times where I just feel a little bit better today than I did at the start of the spring. Now, we'll see if that kind of continues into the fall, but I'm definitely intrigued by a number of those guys. Jumping out to the linebacker spot, and I'll, I'll try to move around a little bit here. I have been around both MJ Sherman and Jamari Butler. Uh, these guys are awash with confidence that there's there's a way that Nebraska can disguise coverages, disguise their pass rush confused quarterbacks. They like what they've been able to do so far. I think they fed off of each other really well. I think both of those guys are going to play quite a bit. I don't know that one's going to just be an unquestioned starter. And there's times where they're going to try to get each of them onto the field, you know, and, and really kind of beef up their, their pass rush attempt. So I think the edge rushers in particular look really interesting right now. And then that inside group, you know, I have some questions. I, I think, and I, I want to save this question uh, or I want to, talk about him a, a little bit more um you know at the, at the end and John Bullock but he, he's a guy that moved from safety to to linebacker and he's I think added to Nebraska's defense a little bit gave them a little more speed in that linebacker spot um I think it's going to be a big fall for Luke Reimer if they're able to to kind of open things up and he can run around and flash that sort of speed and and quickness that he has he could clean up on a lot of tackles so that linebacker room is is really interesting right now. I don't know that there's, um, I don't I don't know that you feel great about it, but I think there's a lot of potential and it, it could go really well if all the pieces are working. What have you seen? We'll we'll break the secondary into two. Brunts or Brunts, sorry, BC BC. What have you seen from the corners so far, and what have you heard about the corners so far? Hmm. Corner's interesting because you, you know you got one guy. Uh, we could probably put him in Penn and Quinton Newsom, but I'm curious actually what's going to happen on the other side because we've heard uh, this will kind of work us into the safeties, I guess. But Hartzog's been moving around, it sounds like, and you know, is a guy who could also be a safety um, and do different things. And so if, if Hartzog um, is indeed um, playing more safety. We'll see. Um, you know, who does that open the door for? Could, a, you know, could a guy like Tommy Hill reemerge? Could a guy, um, you know, like Braxton Clark find himself? I think, you know, Corey Collier's back there. There's all sorts of uh, sort of interesting guys. And I don't discount that a young guy at that position could jump into at least the conversation. I'm not saying the starter, but that does feel like a position, doesn't it? Schaefer, where sometimes, a first year freshman or somebody is like suddenly in the mix or like a young, remember like young DiCaprio Boodle was suddenly, um, you know, in the conversation at least. And uh, Dwight Boodle, by the way, um, got a little kudos the other day at practice. So I'm just saying 
let's leave that open because I, I wouldn't be surprised if if somebody we're not talking about right now or that wasn't in the two deep last year um, factors into that conversation this year, especially if Hartzog's a moving chess piece. Well, and then throwing the factors, roughly 37,000 defensive backs over there. It wouldn't be a surprise if someone that we aren't talking about <laughs> can't talk about all of them uh, makes a big push. Yeah, safety's safety's kind of similar because you got Marquise Buford, who you think is going to be a part of this whole thing, right? Like mm. Evan Cooper had talked about him before the spring. He's a guy that currently can't practice at the moment, but you know he's going to be involved to a degree. They obviously like Miles Farmer. He was up speaking yesterday. I think that's one of your two safeties. But then you have these other things where you're really curious about uh, what's going to happen with, um, you know, an Omar Brown or a Malcolm Hartog or or where some of these guys are going to fit in and, and how they're going to be used or Deshaun Singleton, where he's at and all yeah. these different things. So there's there's a lot of defensive backs. All of this to say um, they've got to sort through this and figure out who stands out for them. I think the red-white game is going to be really interesting in that regard. Uh, if they are throwing a lot, how the secondary does who sort of stands out, who can make plays. I think they want guys that can be aggressive, um, but also aren't going to leave them in bad spots. So uh, it's it's going to be an interesting competition in that defensive backfield. There's no question about it. We'll finish up our position run-through with special teams. What do we know about the specialists so far this spring? It seems like Coach Foley pretty happy with the group that he has at the moment, particularly with you know Brian Buccini, who he doesn't really have to – you didn't have to spend a lot of time on him because that guy's off doing everything he needs to do to get his work done. Yeah. Uh, Ed Foley's in a enviable position probably to some other coaches because um, I mean, not only does he already have guys on campus who could probably fairly effectively do the job in Bushini and Tim Timmy bleak road. Um, you know, he's got another, guy coming in in Tristan Alvano that's going to make that kicker race I think more exciting but yeah Buscini I think um I don't think we saw the best of what he can do last year because he was on one leg for half the season but you know Ed fully pointed out the other day they had a drill where it was pooch punting and it's like here kick 10 balls and land them as close to the eight yard line as you can and Buscini hit four of the 10 directly on the eight yard line and the others were close, you know, so he's got that type of, I think, gifted ability. I really think he can be one of the best punters in the country. And I'm not basing that off of just like Hoper cause he, you know, anything of last year necessarily, it was even what he did at Montana. If you look at his numbers, it's just so impressive. He's really a student of the position. Um, fully worked with Johnny Hecker, who's one of the best punters there's been in the NFL. And that's a big deal to, Bushini, who really loves uh, Hecker's work and stuff like that. So I expect a big year from him. And then uh, Bleak Road, I think, is just putting his head down and, you know, like, I'm going to compete. And that's all you can do. He knows Alvano's on the way. But the beauty of that is, as we know, Schaefer, that's a competition where you can sort it out by taking out your notebook and who made the most kicks, you know. And I'm, I'm maybe oversimplifying it somewhat, but I don't know. I mean, to some degree, that's what it is. So, um you know, Bleak Road didn't have a bad year last year either. So I don't think we should just like push him to the side and say the the you know, the incoming freshman automatically takes that job that he's got to go fight for it. Yeah, there's no no question. I mean, I, I think that the best thing going for Bleak Road is he's here this spring. He can continue uh, to get better at his craft. And, 
you don't have to think about Tristan Albano at this point in time. And so when he gets to fall camp, you worry about that. And the guy who's going to give Nebraska the best opportunity to get three points is going to be the guy that wins that competition. So uh, we'll see how that plays out when we get there. All right. I want to, I, I saw this question last night in our VIP chat. Uh, thank you to the people that jump in there and, and ask the questions. And uh, I believe currently Michael Bruns is running through. He admitted he fell asleep last night. We, we started a chat at nine o'clock and the guy <laughs> who used to like call me at midnight fell asleep apparently. So that's how old Bruns is getting, or that's just life with two kids now, I guess. So um, he's currently doing the VIP chat, but there's a question there that I wanted to let you expand on a little bit because I know that uh, we talked about him. Um, we've talked about this being a thing. I think Thomas Fedoni mentioned it. Matt Rules mentioned it. Nebraska's had some walk-ons that have had an opportunity to, you know, kind of maybe move forward. We were asked yesterday who were some of the guys that have stood out. I mentioned, and I believe you did too, Brian, John Bullock and, and Nate Borkert. I want to give you the opportunity to talk about these guys and, and what they've been bringing to Nebraska this spring. Yeah, Bullock was a name we heard about the first week from Tony White. And, it, you know, of course, around here, you know, there, there's that one sentence that gets uttered about a guy who's made some plays by the third practice. And so you kind of hang on to that throughout the spring. <laughs> uh, you know, it's like, OK, John Bullock, you know, because of that. But I do think there's truth to it. And it, it's probably emphasized by the fact, right, that he was up there yesterday. I mean, it's, it's not like he just faded into the background. Uh, Omaha Creighton prep grad, uh, junior, I believe. Yep. And, um, you know, you, I think you were around him yesterday when he was speaking, but, um, I just think this staff is going to have the door wide open to anybody. Doesn't matter what your background is. Doesn't matter if you have that scholarship attached to or not. Um, there's not going to be favorites. It's who knows their assignment. And I, I predicted this and I sort of think it's going to happen. And maybe it's Bullock, maybe it's somebody else. I think there's going to be like a couple guys that come from completely uh, left field to us from last season that are suddenly a part of things in a pretty significant way. And maybe maybe it's a guy like Bullock or uh, Nate Borkercher. I don't even know if he counts in that anymore. It's almost cheating because at tight end, he he was so involved last year. But I expect he can play too some. So um, I, I thought Rule um, sort of said something pretty telling the other day about, um, you know, you are what you are on film. And and we need guys to understand that um, that's what speaks to us. And it, it's not going to be any of this other stuff. And he said specifically around that comment, there's some walk-ons who could be scholarship guys here. And I got the sense that there's a few guys that are walk-ons that we don't talk about as much that are pushing to the front and impressing by knowing their assignments and probably some guys who are, you know, some scholarship guys who got to pick it up. And maybe that was a little uh, nudge, you know, I'm sure they get more than a nudge uh, behind the scenes, but that was like a public uh, nudge about that. That's sort of what I was kind of gathering as I listened in. Yeah, I, I think you're you're absolutely correct. And, you know, a guy like John Bullock, when he was talking, uh, referenced the fact that he kind of always figured that's what was going to happen. He was going to move from safety to linebacker. He'd always kind of kept an eye on that idea. He played some nickelback. He just felt like he was going to end up being closer to the line of scrimmage because he probably isn't fast enough for safety, but he's fast enough to play linebacker. He's got a body build that allows for it. And 
he just said he just stepped into the opportunity. He didn't think twice about it. It was anything that the football team needs him to do to get on the field and play. Uh, he's going to do it. Well, <laughs> they came to him and they're like, hey, we need you to be the emergency quarterback. He'd figure it out. I mean, that's the kind of attitude that he has. And I think that's why he's largely been successful at the staff. I think he's willing to go out and play hard and, and just say yes to anything and, and try to do the best that he can. And I think that's going to serve him very well uh, with this group. And I, I think we're going to see him as as a product of this. Like there are some scholarship linebackers that are going to get jumped by John Bullock because he is just putting himself in this position and they frankly are not. And so I, I think that's going to bode really well for him. Yeah. Um, and, and Fedone talked about this before the spring. He just said, you know, I mean, this is obvious, I guess when there's a new staff, but, um, he said, there's some guys who really sense, I think with this coaching crew that, um, they weren't heard from in the past couple of years. Uh, but they've got something to say now and they're going to get a chance to say it and the staff's uh, paying attention to them. So um, not not that the other staff uh, wasn't, but, uh, you know, whenever you hit reset and new coaches come in, there's always sort of that added boost to some guys who feel like, especially a guy like maybe Bullock or somebody who's like realized the first couple of years, I can play with these guys. Like he probably got it in his mind. Like I, I can play at this level. I just need the opportunity and, the right fit and, and it can take off and, and maybe this is it for him. So going to be interesting in the spring game. I, I think that's going to be one of the big appeals of the spring game. There's going to be a guy or two like a Bullock or somebody who I, I think might pop up, you know, pop up and make a lot of plays and uh, get people talking. And if it's more of a game like setting, we'll see um, that's going to, I think even add to a player having a big, red white game as as compared to the past when I don't think it was as big a deal because we almost thought like this isn't even real football so it was hard to like give a guy too much credit for it maybe that'll be different this time yeah we uh we look forward to seeing we're still a couple weeks out from the spring game we'll be back next week with some more podcast content before we get there though Brian the people want to know where do you stand on these controversial Easter candies okay how do you feel about peeps Oh, peeps suck. All right. How do you feel about Cadbury eggs? They're all right. Yeah. You got to take them, though, in uh, small doses. I mean, it's, it's a delicious, but it, like it's one of those treats to me that like after you take the first bite, it's like really good. But you're like, oh, man, I can't. Ha- I might even have to set this little piece of chocolate aside <laughs> for like an hour later. OK, what about the little eggs that have kind of the malted Whopper type candy in them that are speckled? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, those are good. Okay. I, I like Whoppers though. I was a Whopper kid. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. My that dad, makes both of us. We're both my dad used to go to the gas station uh, on his way home from work and get the carton. You know, I was like a kind of a milk carton of Whoppers, and uh, that was a big treat. Okay. All right. He's a Whopper guy. How about uh, jelly beans? Depends which ones. Um, which jelly beans? I don't even know. I just know it's like, and I'm not going to say it, but you, you know, when you taste it, you know, there's a famous quote about something else there, but you, you, you know, a good jelly bean uh, when you taste it, but I, I can't name it. Like, I don't, okay. I, I don't know if it's Starburst and I don't want to give Starburst credit because maybe theirs aren't very good. All right. So you're, you're in on jelly beans, but it's a specific kind of jelly bean. 
yeah and but i don't take the time ever to say like oh which brand is this i just like enjoy that oh that was a really good jelly bean but i don't even think about like i like this one i don't like this kind okay all right well that's good to know we now have your thoughts on how about you uh i pretty much peeps are the only thing of that that i have no interest in um i'm with you with the cadbury eggies you don't need a lot of it i really like those stupid speckled malted eggs like mm. those are those are a favorite of mine and then i i will walk by and just take a giant handful of jelly beans if i see it so um i used to feel like i wasn't a big candy person and now i in my 30s i feel like i've turned into a candy person i don't know that i like it i'm, I'm already soft as it is I, I need to stop eating candy or i'm only going to get more rotund i have a quick question did you did your family growing up because sometimes you're your family will do stuff and you think like you, when you get older, you're like, did, were we the only ones who did that? Or do other people do this? You know, did, did you guys hide your Easter baskets? Did you have to like go look for your Easter basket, like on Sunday morning or anything? Or did no, you get an Easter basket? We, we got Easter baskets, but it kind of like stopped pretty early on. It wasn't. And then <laughs> our Easter baskets were not elaborate. Like I remember one year I got like from, from uh, the half price store or whatever, this Houston Rockets basketball. And I wasn't a Houston Rockets fan, but we had just put a basketball hoop in our driveway. And so it was kind of like the perfect gift when you're in first grade, because now you have a basketball hoop and you have this logoed basketball. And it was a small enough one that we had a raisable hoop so I could dunk with it. And I thought I was pretty cool because I was like Mm -hmm. in first or second grade out there dunking on Easter morning. Um, but yeah, our, our baskets weren't elaborate compared to kind of what you, what you see now, but the only thing that really got hidden was the Easter eggs. Okay. And as I think about it now, you spend a lot of, you're like, my mom spent a lot of time on this particular holiday. Like you had to, you had to make the eggs and then they needed to be decorated and then they had to be hidden. And then you had to make sure all of the eggs were accounted for because the last thing you want is an egg in your house that just remains hidden and then starts to smell or whatever else. Like it's kind of a, the, the whole thing is, is sort of bizarre. Mm-hmm. I realize now that we're, we should have put a label on this for parents before we got into the Easter talk, but hopefully they're, they're smart enough to, to keep their kids from listening. Oh yeah. This is a, our demographic is pretty, pretty big in the four to seven year olds too. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, was, no, that was a mistake. No, the, uh, we, we would have to look for our baskets, my brother and I, and because there's like an 11 to 12 year age gap between my brother and me, I'm older. And so mm-hmm. because we were doing it till he was like 10 or so, I was still like looking for a basket in the house at like age 21 or 22, like, nice. you know, like participating in this. And, uh, so yeah, that stuff you shouldn't admit on air, but that, that was definitely a real thing. So, uh, I was like looking like in a closet at age 22 to see if my, where my chocolate bunny was. Did you, so like your Easter basket, I just have to imagine you got just CDs and random things, right? Yeah. Or like a belt, like a good church belt. Yeah. That was definitely (laughs) something you got at Easter time. That's like a big Easter gift. I think. Yeah. So no that, that fit well into the little, you know, rolled up. So yeah, that that's my uh, Easter candy basket uh, story. <laughs> hey, that's good stuff. All right. Uh, if people want more good stuff, they can go to Husker 24-7. We just had a chat 
Uh, we'll probably be doubling back through there. Brunts, I think, is rolling through it right now. And so you can check that out on the site. Plenty of recruiting stuff going up. I talked with Riley Van Poppel actually yesterday. And so we'll have a story on his recent visit out to Nebraska and how it's been since he signed and, and what that's kind of like to go from you're committed to you're signed and now you're a part of this whole thing, but you're not there. And so we dive into that with that story. We have plenty more from practice and the updates of, of various players that came to speak and we'll have stuff throughout the weekend. Everybody enjoy your Easter. Have a great time with your family. Enjoy the Masters. Uh, Brooks Kepka currently 10 under running away with the whole thing. We'll see if that continues. And if we're talking about Brooks Kepka in a green jacket next week, when we're also going to be talking about Nebraska football, be sure to check everything out at Husker247.com.